Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Learn more at nm.org slash better. The doctor is in Dr. Jeffrey Copen, Chief Medical Officer, Northwestern Medicine, Lake Forest Hospital. Hi, Dr. Copen. How are you this afternoon? I'm great, Anna. You know, I, I have clinic this afternoon because I, I can't miss OB, though. That's must-listen radio. <laughs> I totally think that's true. That is so true. Lunkheads, <laughs> he, he digs up these names that just tell it like it is. It's so, it's so, he's so good. So good. And such a legend as well. So we'll, we'll hear from him. You know, you've heard the rumors swirling, Dr. Copen. I know you're a big sports fan that Matt Nagy was going to be fired. And now we're hearing that that is not the case, at least not imminently. So we'll Nick see. Poop. Income poop, another one. (laughs) Dr. Copen, how are we doing? How are things in the health world? I keep hearing of a surge nationwide in cases, and I wonder how we're doing here or what's on your mind in terms of your concerns. Yeah, you know, I think the most important thing is let's all just prepare for a wonderful Thanksgiving. We all deserve it. Um, We've been talking a lot about how to make sure our Thanksgiving celebrations are safe. Um, I think people know how to do that. And uh, I hope um, everyone just has a great, great, enjoyable Thanksgiving with family and dear friends. I mean, it's we missed it last year, and it'll just be great to be able to be together this year. So I think that's the, the most important thing today, Anna. You know, we know that COVID is still around us. Um, you know, our friends up in Wisconsin and in Minnesota and particularly in Michigan are really feeling it right now. Um, it's not easy, particularly in Michigan. There are, many of their hospitals are are just really filling up and it's uh you know, it's that's a big problem. So, you know, anybody who might be going to Michigan for, for Thanksgiving, make sure you check with your hosts what the situation is and you know just make sure it's uh it's it's smart for you to go depending what your own personal situation might be yeah i agree we mentioned there is a flu outbreak there at least at the university of michigan so they're starting to see a cluster of that meantime they're the number one in when in terms of covid cases when you say the hospitals yeah, remember are... it happened again last year too oh, i mean yeah. this is the second time michigan got hit really hard um, when most of the country was doing well. It's just it's just so interesting, Anna. You know, we've been talking about how there's just so much we don't understand mm-hmm. about the virus, how it how it spreads, why it does what it does, when it does, you know, and Michigan is really feeling that right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said before, I, I don't understand why it seems to peak all of a sudden and then fall off. And it's one of the many things they're trying trying to study. As you point out, it doesn't follow the patterns of the flu. It's very different. Right. It's different than the flu. You know, it, it is a respiratory virus that it has in common with the flu. And certainly some of the ways that it um, can spread from person to person is similar to the flu, but the biology of this virus and the way that it interacts with the environment, and most importantly, the way that it interacts with human beings, is is novel. I mean, it's a. I think that term about the about this coronavirus that it's a novel coronavirus. We haven't seen it before. Not only haven't we seen it before, there's just so much that we don't understand about it. But you know, I think I should add to that another thought, though, Anna, that. Although there's so much we don't understand, there's so much we do understand, and we need to maximize the understanding we have because that's how we're learning to live during this pandemic, right? It's about the vaccinations. It's about being smart. 
how we behave, depending on our own individual risk tolerance, our own individual health status. These are the important things that we need to know. We know it could be different for younger people than for older people, immunocompromised people, people who are ne- who have intact immune systems. So these are really important understandings we have about the virus and how to live with it. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a, a listener question that I'd love to know the answer to in a second, but I, first I want to ask you about this. The COVID treatments, we get a lot of questions about that. What is FDA-approved? And what is in the pipeline coming next? Yeah, so right now, um, we have an antiviral medication that we use in the hospital that has an emergency use authorization from um, FDA. We have monoclonal antibody that we can give is out to an outpatient. It requires an IV infusion or a bunch of, um, of injections. Um, that that's um, available to us. But the I think what everybody's thinking about right now is both Pfizer and Merck have developed medications that in their phase three trials, both of these medications appear to be very effective in people who are newly infected with COVID to keep people from getting sick and dying. In these trials, nobody died. That received the um, the medication, mm-hmm. um, and people did not get sick enough to have to go into the hospital. So, if in re- in real experience, once this is approved, there's a good chance we're going to have these medications by December available for use. These, this could be a real game changer. Mm-hmm. That as people get sick as an outpatient with the with the infection. They'd be able to take these pills. These are pills. They don't require an intravenous infusion, no needles, to swallow pills. If it's as effective as we think it is, it's going to be great. And it will go a long way to end this thing for us mm-hmm. um, and get us to the point where we all want to be. So I'm very optimistic about these new medications that are coming down the line. We know that the loss of smell and taste is one of the symptoms that sometimes a lingering symptom after suffering from COVID. Uh, is it, it's, I, I did hear from a listener who reached out and said, will you ask the doctor next time he's on? Can the vaccine bring that back? There seems to be some anecdotal evidence of people saying, well, it brought it back. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so yeah, it, it, there's no evidence that the vaccine has a direct effect in bringing back taste and smell. Um, part of that might be coincidence. Most people who lose their taste and smell get it back in a couple weeks, usually about two, maybe three weeks. The uh, taste and smell will come back. And then there's the people who fall into our long COVID, the long hauler category that can include a longer time not having taste and smell. It appears there's a subgroup of patients who do have the long hauler symptoms, the long COVID, that once they're vaccinated, the vaccine seems to have a good effect on their symptoms. Now, why that is, is is something to do with the impact on the um, the immune system of that individual? It might be. So that that we have seen, and it's just another reason why people should be vaccinated. It can help, I think, with for some people who do have the long COVID symptoms. Now, the question here, 219, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh 
wait, I'm sorry, this is the one I want to ask you about the the people who are not vaccinated who get reinfected are they are they also less severe cases the reinfection case yes so somebody who's not vaccinated but had a prior a previous bout of covid who now get reinfected um yeah so there is immunity there's definitely some immunity that comes with that natural infection there's no question about that The problem today is with this Delta variant we've been talking about for months. People who were infected with the original variant, the original virus that we had, um, and they have their immunity, the Delta can still cause quite a bit of illness in people who have not been vaccinated. So um, it's good to have that immunity that comes with the natural infection, but the best we understand today is that protection from the natural immunity is not as good as the natural immunity plus vaccination. So we encourage people who have had prior infection, they've recovered, that they should still get vaccinated because that will really prime the immune system and help protect those individuals from another infection. Boosters, the J&J shot, Dr. Copin, apparently you, you could probably want to get that after six months. They're looking, I'm looking at some studies here about how you have a, a pretty steep fall off in your protection. Yeah, so somebody who got the J&J, um, the good news is the J&J is still effective against severe illness and death. Um, that's good. But we know that the waning immunity against a breakthrough infection can occur with J&J. So the recommendation, actually, with J&J is go ahead and get a second J&J injection after two months. So if two months or more have passed since your first J&J, you should go ahead and get another one. Or you can actually choose to get one of the mRNA vaccines instead to get is your second injection is your booster, either the Pfizer or the Moderna. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some choices then for the J&J people. Dr. Copen, I want to thank you and uh, hope you have a good holiday week. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving. And, you know, well, yeah, Anna, you too. Everybody should just have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Everybody stay safe. And we'll catch up next week after we hear what OB has to say. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Thank you, Dr. Copen. We'll talk soon. Right. Have a good holiday. That's Dr. Jeffrey Copen, a chief medical officer, Northwestern Medicine Lake Forest Hospital, sponsored by Northwestern Medicine, relentless in their pursuit of better health care.